Hello and welcome to the Let's Do Video podcast. My name is David Maldo and today I'm here because at Infocom I gave a presentation on millennial workflows and it was well received. I had a lot of good conversations afterwards. So I thought I'd go through it and share it with you. Now it was a panel discussion. So substituting for my panel today is my old friend, uh, John Antonidis. John, could you please uh, introduce yourself? Sure, thanks, David. Uh, great to have the opportunity to come and join in for this. I uh, was at Infocom, and I know that that, pan that, that uh, session was well-received and, and pretty well-attended, too, which is always nice. Uh, so again, my name is John Antonidis. I've uh, been in the industry for 15 or so years, and um, I'm currently the Chief Marketing Officer for ZipRoom, a uh, disruptive new solution uh, out of Boston. Excellent. And, and you could find out more about ZipRoom. I um, covered them in my wrap-up of Infocom, and I'm sure I'll be writing more about them as well. Um, now, the reason I gave this presentation, you know, why should everyone care about millennials? Really briefly, before we go into the first point, uh, I read a statistic that by 2020, there'll be more than 50% of the workforce. So they're already a plurality. There's more millennials than, than Xers or, or baby boomers. So we need to care about them. And they do things differently. And we're going to get into how they do it differently. And there's a lot of whining about millennials, but I think their way's better. And people come up to me and they say, David, you talk about the millennial way. I'm an Xer. I'm a boomer. I do things that way. Give me some credit here. Well, it, we are all doing it this better way, but you know what? <laughs> it's their time and they kind of drove it. So we're going to give them credit. And if you're one of those people that says, well, I disagree. I don't like the millennial way. I like the old way. Too bad. <laughs> Even if you don't like them, you have to accommodate them because they have a different way of looking at careers, which you're going to get into. They bounce. They're not happy. You can't just offer them more money. They'll leave and take a job for less money that's more fun. So you have to, um, you have to make them happy. So in this presentation, we're going to discuss five things. Their career expectations, their needs at work, the tools we give them to support those needs, the way we build the workplace for them, and what I call the, the, new, the new way to look at productivity. So let me just give 30 seconds on, my, on the first topic, and then we'll switch to John and see what John has to say. And this is high level. This is about millennial career expectations, not actually what they're doing at work, but the way they see their careers, the way they see job satisfaction. Uh, I used to see job satisfaction. My generation was, we wanted two things from work. They pay you good, and the boss isn't a jerk. That's all I care about. I go in at 9 a.m., inbox, outbox, inbox, outbox. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't care what I'm doing. Boss is nice to me. I make good money. And then 5 o'clock, my life starts. And that's how we defined work-life balance. Work-life balance is don't bring stuff to work. Don't do your home stuff at work. And at 5 o'clock, turn off and don't do work stuff. And millennials... They have real work-life balance. They enjoy the stuff they're working on. They want to talk to their friends about it. They'll wake up at three in the morning and they'll do work for you off the clock. But if they want to go to gym at noon, you got to let them clear their heads. They got to do things their way. Um, John, are you seeing this when you work with your millennial friends? Oh, def definitely, David. And, and actually, it's funny because I actually, I'm, I'm not a millennial, sadly, um, but I do appreciate the work style and I appreciate a lot of what they bring to the party. Um, for me, I'm t completely seeing the same behavior patterns, and the data continues to mount. Um, you said 50% in the workforce now, and there'll be 75% by 2022, 2023, right? So there'll be by far the majority. Uh, the latest numbers are coming in in that regard. And you commented about their willingness to stay or willingness to go, and it's impacted by a number of different things, very different than, than prior generations. But 
Um, today, they say about 27% are planning to be with their future company in two years. And if workplace flexibility, what you just mentioned, increases, that number can go up over 50%. If it actually decreases, that number is going to be in the teens. So that workplace flexibility is one of the critical components to keeping the millennial workforce happy. And to your point also, it does make them more productive because they're going to be highly productive when they're engaged. And as we all know, we've seen many folks watch the clock over the years, right? Um, well, I can't leave earlier than my boss was the old the historical norm, right? Exactly. So, so now there's a very different work style and um, different style of engagement. Drives a lot of different, uh, you know, impact to, to how they work, where they work, when they work, et cetera. Um, you know, you make a good point, and, and I believe that statistic that only 20-something percent of them see themselves staying at the same company. Um, like, you know, like I was saying, it's a different uh, way they look at career. It's not about going to the company picnic and wearing the company logo and getting the watch in 50 years. It's about, I'm working on a cool project with a killer team. That's what excites them. And their resume, it's really about, these are the projects I've knocked out of the park. So what do they need to be happy they need things that's, that are going to make them win at projects, get projects done quickly and, and, and well. And I put that into four categories. They need their project status. They need access to the team, the people on their project. They need their working files. And they need to access working sessions, being able to not just communicate with their team, but this is why video is so important to me, meet with their team wherever they are, Starbucks, home, or at the office, face-to-face -face and get things done. So that's how I categorize what I think they need to be happy and have career satisfaction. Now, what do you think about that, John? No, I think you're right on target. Uh, to, you know, all the data suggests, all the reports suggest that um, one of the, you know, the most critical things for uh, the millennials are the fact that they're part of an organization. Their number one goal, truthfully, for that organization is to, to have an impact on the world. Literally, right? So they want to have a societal impact. They want to work on projects that are challenging and rewarding. Um, they want to have a diverse work environment. And it's, it goes beyond male-female diversity and ethnic diversity. It goes to uh, diversity of thoughts, diversity of opinions, and, and diversities of, you know, you're, you're, you come with this with a different set of beliefs and structures and ideas than I do. How do we take all of it and combine that to create the best work product going forward? And you mentioned earlier, to them, uh, salaries are still very important to millennials, but at the same time, very quickly on the heels of that isn't promotion, isn't the next title. Um, they want a seat at the table today, quite honestly, right? They want to be included, not by title, but they want to make sure that they, have a, a, that they are on a, a level playing field from a value perspective. Can I contribute and add value? So yeah. saying the exact same. Yeah, and they, and they want to be part of the team. You talked about diversity of thought. They really grew up and were raised as team players. I mean, you can give example of your example of how connected they are with all their different apps. You know, I'm, I'm, I was a video gamer as a kid. So compare how we were as video gamers to how they were. I would go home after school and sit in, in my living room and play Atari. And the next day at school, I would tell my friend my high score. Now, they grew up, they wear headsets when they play video games. They're part of a team. There, there are some single-player video games, but they grew up. They're always being connected, always working together, always being part of a team. So that gets into the next topic, which is teams, right? This is the way people work, so we have all these team solutions. We have Microsoft Teams and Cisco Teams and this Teams and that Teams. Um, I've been a fan since day one. 
as soon as Slack came out, I was on it. I was getting my team on it. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is my virtual office. We have a water cooler channel where we talk about gossip. This is, this is, this is what I've always wanted. And some people in the industry are saying, this is a fad. This is for small to medium business. This doesn't scale to enterprise. This is, you know, this isn't real. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wind up going back to UC or something. So what do you think about the whole team messaging phenomena? No, I, I think it's here to stay. I, whether, you know, and Slack's been incredibly successful, and I think they'll have continued success. And I know there'll be additional players coming into that space. There's no question because um, generations prior to the millennials, um, we were taught much more individually, right? We were tested individually. We were graded individually. And we were taught that your success is also an individual success. Of course, you need a team success, but your success was really, you know, you rose and, and, and fell based on your personal merits and, and especially in schools and exams. Now, you know, even in grade school, we're starting to see uh, children who are having school, you know, class projects or team projects of definitely in high school, in college, more and more, that's the approach. And so if that's becoming 50% of your, um, your, your, the way you're graded and the way you, you get your, your projects um, to have success or failure, you come into the workforce, you expect to have that same level of team orientation and, and team drive. And so I think these tools are, are definitely here to stay. I, I happened to be at the WeWork corporate headquarters in New York last week, and there wasn't anything about that facility that told me we were going to head back in the old direction, right? It was very much a open floor plan teaming concept, lots of huddle rooms, lots of small meeting spaces, some open, some closed, et cetera, based on the experience that, needed to, that they needed to have at the time or what they needed to share, but definitely very dynamic, very team-oriented. Yeah, I think most millennials, if you, if you give them what was the dream for us, which is this gorgeous office with a lock on the door all for ourselves to sit alone and do our work with no one bothering us, they would lose their minds. Right. That sounds like, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, so that gets into the, the next topic, which is how do we design their workplaces? And this slide, I'm going to show it up here. Uh, this is one of my favorite things. I use, it in a lot of, um, I use it in a lot of slide decks, and you've seen the slide, and it's a concept called the desire path. I love sharing the concept of a desire path. It's really cool. It's a landscaping thing. And basically it occurs, as you see in the picture, when the engineers design a space and they make a nice cement path to go around so you could walk nicely and not trip and rollerblade and do whatever you want. And the people say, you know what? We just want to cut across the corner. We don't want to use what the engineers designed for us. We want to do things our way. And as you could see, it's so natural and organic, the way that the grass parts on the path where the people are walking, you could see exactly the way they want to work or the, exactly the way they want to work. You could see their desired workflow, which is to cut across. And what we used to do as IT people, as AV people in the industry is say, no, no, no. These tools are meant to be used a certain way. What we would do is we put up a fence. We put a sign that says, don't walk on the grass. And you know what happens? People hop the fence and people ignore the signs. And I think there's a better way to deal with desire paths instead of shutting them down. And that's to embrace them. And the next picture I'm showing here is you've seen this on a lot of college campuses. You've probably wondered, how do they design these crazy paths? There's no right angles. No engineer designed this. What they do is they just lay down the grass on the quad and let the faculty and students walk for a few semesters and form desire paths. And then they pave them down. So where they need a wider path, it's wider. It's, it's, it's literally taking the workflow that the users are having and saying, we're going to 
smooth it down, pave it down and make it better for you. This is what I want to see happening in our industry. When I talk to friends in the integrator community, they're like, yes, this is, this is our job. This is what we should be doing. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and I think this is the way we need to support our millennials. So we can't say, hey, I went to Infocom and I saw the coolest camera. It's amazing. We're going to buy 30 of them, put them in all the rooms and tell our people to use them. We've got to start with the people and say, okay, I'm going to sit in and watch some of your meetings and see how you do things, see how you like to work. Oh, you like to share files, but you're using this old file share. Let me give you a new one that's better. Oh, you like to do video, but you're doing it on a laptop. Let me give you a big screen. The way you want to work, but making it better. Now, John, am I, am I dreaming here? Is this, is this, David, come on, we're still just selling products and getting people to buy products or, or has the industry woken up and said, yes, this is the way we need to do things for our users. Uh, I'd say yes to both, right? There's no question that the, uh, of course, as a manufacturer, there's no question that people are still trying to sell solutions and products. But at the end of the day, I agree with you 100% that the IT organizations have, 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 are clearly embracing. The ones we're speaking to are definitely there. Their attitude is we understand that BYOD is, is you know, bring your own device, bring your own app. Um, they're effectively trying to create use you know spaces that will allow flexibility this you know highly flexible workspace highly flexible you know application space etc and so we're seeing more of this um, across the board i saw i read a study recently and, and it was very fresh that said that the huddle room specifically compound annual growth rate for huddle room between now and 2022 is 49.8 right so they expect huddle rooms to continue to expand and those were fully um, enabled huddle rooms, huddle rooms that were designed to have uh, voice collaboration, video collaboration, as well as just wireless presentation for folks who want to drop in. So these new spaces, uh, huddle rooms, drop-in rooms, hotels, you know, et cetera, are all being leveraged by organizations to, to allow for group collaboration and those smaller spaces for four to six people or even two or three, and then on up to the larger conference rooms, we're seeing less and less of those as a growth curve, but certainly um, the huddle spaces and these other the flexible dynamic workspaces are becoming, um, the, are not becoming, are continuing to be uh, the rage as far as which, which way to grow the organization, right? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's no more debate or if, if huddle rooms is just something that analysts like me think it's fun to write about, or is it a real thing? It's a real thing. And, and, and it's a great thing. I mean, it's not, it's not, I feel like I could talk about it forever, but it, it is such a great thing. And, and the, the main thing is don't think of it as a room. Just think of it as any space in your office where people want to meet and do exactly what we've been talking about. Use the right tools for their workflow, whether it be video, whether it be audio, whether it be, you know, mobile devices, whatever it is they need to do things the way they want and kick butt on their projects uh, and get things done. Um, and I expect, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be coming back to John on this because ZipRoom is a product designed um, for ease of use and, and specifically for the huddle room type of spaces. So I know, I know John's going to be doing the research and, and getting all the stats and facts. So we'll definitely be having you back. Um, now into our last topic here. And this is really the, the most exciting part of it. What it all ties down to is as bosses, as CEOs, as enterprise, why do we care about all this stuff? And the reason is we're getting a kind of productivity we've never had before, which is really exciting. The way we used to see productivity well, in the old, old days was, oh, you buy some video conference, for example, some video conferencing, and you could fly less. 
Okay, maybe you save a flight or two, but that's not what you use the video conferencing for. They're upgraded phone calls. Well, how do you do RRY and upgraded phone calls? Well, we said, oh, well, we have studies that say you're more productive over video. So if you do a thousand minutes of video a month, you have a thousand magic ROI points. So just try to rack up your minutes and that's your ROI. We said, okay, that makes sense. And that worked for us for a while. Now we see um, ROI as real productivity. I went into your huddle spaces. I sat down with your Android app development team. I saw the tools they were using and how they, used, they like to do things. We brought in some new tools for them. We changed their, we, we supported their workflow in better ways. Now, they're, instead of being on an eight-week scrum cycle, they're on a six-week scrum cycle. You're getting your Android app updates out, exo, whatever, 25% faster. That makes you money. Your sales team is able to contact their clients faster and follow up faster. Your marketing team is able to get that big promotional thing out quicker. That's the dream, we're actually getting real productivity gains. Now, again, John, is this David's fantasy or, or, or is this a real thing that's happening? No, I, there's, every study shows the data, it really does, right? And, and there's still a component that's cost savings, um, reduction in travel, but you're exactly right, is that organizations, you know, you hear about Industry 4.0, right? And around the whole evolution of, of the industrial age and now how, you know, in, in, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning and tying people and data together and bringing together insight and information and allowing people to be more productive with that. It's the same in, in collaboration spaces. Um, and there's actually a, mold, a melding of that, those multiple thoughts together as well. Like how can we measure the, the actual behaviors and, and what's happening in those collaboration spaces to simplify that process or to enhance the process and to identify the desire path. Right. Uh, to your point earlier around as organizations behavior is profiled and data is, you know, collected on that, that their behavior styles, how do we facilitate that for them? And so I think that um, this is going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to um, move forward. And there's no question that the, the way we uh, as the industry folks, you know, create value is by creating solutions and having measurable impact. And I think that's an area where Historically, we didn't have the data components. Um, and so now the new systems, everything's collecting great data, whether it be a, a camera in the room is, is, is getting data and counting heads, right? Or whether it be a, a cloud-based system that's pulling together information on everything, the, the people, the users, the calendars, the, the, their UC services and the devices. And so that's how we're able to continue to show that incremental value and also again, make it simpler and easier and more productive for end users. If, if you know David likes his calls at eight, at, you know, volume set at eight and his multi-party calls in quad screen layout, just turn the system on that way when he initiates the call because it's, it's his world. Let it, let it be the way, his desired path, right? Exactly. You know, analytics, wow, we could, we could do a whole other podcast about that. It's, it's so exciting what's happening with him. And you really, you really touched onto it. I'm just going to spend 10 seconds on it because it's so cool. Uh, up till recently, analytics was just a way of making sure everything worked. <clears throat> you know, what percentage of calls connected? And now we're using analytics for what John said, which is to see what people actually need and how we can change our environments and make things better for them. So um, I'm very hot on analytics. Um, anyway, that's the last topic I wanted to uh, hit today. Um, uh, John, can you let people know how to reach you and find out more about ZipRoom? Sure. The, the best place to find us is at ZipRoom.com. So it's Z-I-I-P-R-O-O-M. So Z with two, Zip with two I's. Uh, 
and uh, ZipRoom.com. We're also uh, getting ready to do some free trials. So if you're interested in a little bit more uh, enhanced collaboration for huddle rooms and small meeting spaces, uh, please sign up for a free trial. We're almost out the door. Excellent. I love free trials. No commitment. <laughs> all right. So thank you all for joining. For more content like this, you can check us out at letsdovideo.com. Thanks so much.